Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. We have Fiona Hill and her testimony yesterday showed that even John Bolton thought what was going on in the White House was criminal. Bill Barr is at Notre Dame saying, hey, it's time for a theocracy. I'd like to expand the conversation into how Trump does this. How did this guy become president and how does he hang on to enough people? in Minneapolis, you know, a blue town in, in a relatively blue state, and pull 20,000 people who hoop and holler when he screams and basically calls for, if not the death, certainly the, the violent attacks against his political enemies, against the media, things like that. An expert on this topic is Stephen Hassan. Stephen is the author of the best-selling book, Combating Cult Mind Control, Undue Influence, Brainwashing, and Unethical Hypnosis. His most recent book is called The Cult of Trump. His website, freedomofmind.com. You can tweet him at cult expert. Stephen, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Tom. I really appreciate your being here with us and your having written this book. There was an interesting article this morning on a couple of different websites that was suggesting that if you view Trump as an old-fashioned middle school bully, that the most effective way is not to either A, bully them back or try to pick a fight with them because they'll always outdo you. They're professionals at it. And it's not to give in to them because then they get what they want, but it's rather to ridicule them in the context of appropriate behavior. I can't believe you're behaving like such a child. But that doesn't take into account the cult-like aspect of Trump's followers and the cult leader-like aspect of his behavior. Can you riff on that a little bit? Tell us what that is, how it comes about, and then let's get into what we can do about it. Well, the most important thing with dealing with bullies is to stand up for the person they're bullying and to empower them and not just dial out while right. abuse is taking place. That's, And I know you're an ex-psychotherapist. I'm a trained mental health professional. If I'm going to cut to the chase, I want to say to your listeners that we're living in a very unique time in the human species where our technology and our understanding of the human mind and how to influence it for the good or for the bad 
has never been higher, and that unfortunately people who want power, money, and sex, those are the three universals with destructive cult leaders, are using that knowledge to deceive, manipulate, and indoctrinate true believers to recruit and indoctrinate other people into their closed systems of destructive culthood. And when I started this book, I knew that he fit the stereotypical profile of most destructive cult leaders, that one of malignant narcissism. So it's more than just narcissism, but it's the sociopathic elements as well, the above the law, and of course, pathological lying and the sadism and the, the shaming, etc. But what I came to understand is that there were real authoritarian groups, some of them very wealthy, some of them state actors like Russia, that were using people who were already under their sway and coordinating them together to put someone into power that was going to undermine confidence in our leadership, in our institutions. I learned about a very important concept, Tom, called fourth generation warfare, which is a psychological operations type term that's specifically oriented to delegitimizing science and facts and delegitimizing leaders and institutions. And that's a big facet in confusion and disorientation and hopelessness with a lot of people where they're dialing out rather than realizing, hey, I want to understand how the mind works, how it can be manipulated, and how we can support our democracy and make it healthy again. Rescue our loved ones and friends who've been taken in. There are some people who suggest that there are parallels. In fact, there's a widely circulated piece by a Hitler expert suggesting that there are these 20 parallels. I knew some Germans, elderly Germans, who still thought that Hitler's biggest mistake was invading Russia, period, full stop, right. as well as a lot of Germans who were horrified by Hitler. But the Hitler cult is uh, it's small, yeah. but it's still there. And here, unfortunately, yes. Edward Bernays, who was a nephew of Freud, who right. did the first presidential campaign and was hired to teach women to smoke cigarettes by the tobacco industry, turned down Goebbels' offer of a job to help Hitler. But his 1928 book, Propaganda, was a guide that Goebbels used for the entire Nazi propaganda. Amazing. Who's was the guy who advised Woodrow Wilson as to how to convince Americans that we should jump into World War I, too. That and was his big beginning, as I recall. Hitler studied hypnosis, and he spent hours and hours in front of a mirror getting his gesticulations as effective as possible. Right. To what extent was Hitler purely a cult leader as opposed to a, you know, a political leader? To what extent is Trump purely a cult leader? I mean, are the parallels between the two or between those two and dozens of other people in similar positions, even if they're like Jim Jones characters, is yeah, no, what I, they have I in common cult-like cult. stuff or is what they have in common political-like stuff. And you talked about the diminishment of science. I mean, Hitler used that with his racial theory stuff, you know, uh, that, that was widely disseminated uh, in the early years of the Nazi era that, that, you know, contradicted a lot of good science. But anyhow, right. back to you. So my, my take, Tom, is that there are uh, the, the stereotypical profile, but then you can have someone who's got a religious cult or a political cult, a therapy cult, a multi-level marketing cult, be a pimp, a trafficker. 
In other words, uh, people who are controlling want power. And then the question is, some people want world power and they want to take over the world, like my former cult leader, Sun Myung Moon, or a Hitler. And other people are satisfied with dominating uh, their husband, wife, or some individual or uh, CEO wants to control their entire uh, organization. But for me, the key point is on the influence continuum that there are ethical guidelines like informed consent on the ethical side and lies by omission, distortion, or outright lying on the unethical side. And you can go down the entire paradigm that's on my website and in my books and tell very quickly who's a destructive authoritarian force that's trying to harm people for their personal gain. So would you suggest that the authoritarianism, I mean, you know, there's that book, The Authoritarians, that inspired John Dean to write his book, Conservatives Without Conscience. Both brilliant analysis of the authoritarian personality, both the authoritarian leader and the authoritarian follower. Are you suggesting that that and cult leaders and cult followers are essentially one and the same? We're just using different language to describe the same thing? So I actually believe that if you're raised in a childhood family system where you're not encouraged to think for yourself, but you're told to be obedient, where you're corporally punished, which has been well-researched, is very traumatic for young children. If you're in that kind of uh, childhood upbringing, it's going to be more familiar to be with somebody who continues to behave that way. I wasn't raised that way, and yet I was deceived and, and indoctrinated into an authoritarian theocratic fascist cult group. So my argument is actually they're very uh, intelligent, educated people from good homes that have secure attachment, but they can be deceived and hypnotized and indoctrinated into totalistic authoritarian groups. This leads to the question, what do we do about it? How do we best combat Trump as a cult leader? The reason I wrote this book is to educate everyone about what is the whole technology of mind control about, how to protect yourself, how to dialogue with people who have been indoctrinated in cults. For example, the worst thing you can do is say you're an idiot or stupid or why can't you look at the facts or you're brainwashed. That's what's not to say. That just makes them but dig in. It makes them defensive and shut down they feel persecuted. Whereas if you say, hey, you're an intelligent, educated person, I value you, help me understand, before you ever heard of Trump, how did you get to this point today? Like walk me through the steps and to unpack the actual influences. Oh, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh radio. I was watching Fox News. I was listening to my pastor and he said that he had a revelation from God that God wants to have final days and wants to influence the United States government. You've understood where this person came from. How do you deprogram them? So part of it is educating them about brainwashing. I was educated about Chinese communist brainwashing programs of Mao. Mm -hmm. So that's a body of knowledge to discuss with them. To point parallels out to other groups that the person would agree with are destructive mind control cults. And then to back your way into asking questions in a curious way 
with respect. And people do come to the realization that they've been lied to. That's fascinating. I'll, I'll try that the next time a Trump supporter calls me. <laughs> That's fascinating. Stephen Hassan, I am I'm looking forward to reading your book. And the book is The Cult of Trump. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. If you have anybody in your family who is a member of the Trump cult, and I think we need to start calling it that, by the way. If you have anybody who's a member of the Trump cult, get that movie, The Brainwashing of My Dad by Jen Senko, who has been on this program a few times. The movie came out several years ago. It is just as good as it ever was. And it's basically about how Fox News turned her father from a loving, benevolent, smart, thoughtful guy. He started watching Fox News when he retired and was just sitting at home watching the TV and uh, became this irascible, cranky, paranoid, angry, uh, difficult to be around. Forget politics. I'm talking just a complete personality change that her father experienced as a result of essentially, uh, you know, watching billionaire Rupert Murdoch's television networks, you know, Trump TV, Fox News, and believing it, absorbing it and making it a part of his own identity. And it altered who he was as a person. And then you watch the, was it a Showtime or HBO? It's that five or six part special on Roger Ailes. I think it's called The Loudest Voice in the Room, as I recall. What you see is that Roger Ailes himself was paranoid. I wrote a book called Walking Your Blues Away in which I revealed for the first time, I believe, why Sigmund Freud stopped using hypnosis, which was very effective for him as a therapeutic technique, why he stopped using that in 1898. And it's a fascinating story, and I'll tell it on the air again one of these days. But the point is that times changed. And, and you know, Freud went back to, or started this whole talk therapy thing. And Freud himself became more and more bitter and insular, as is the case of many people who go through classic Freudian therapy. You know, sometimes it works, but very often it turns people basically into Freud. And I think that Roger Ailes did the same thing. He's turning people into Roger Ailes. And when you watch that documentary, you see that this guy was paranoid. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. I mean, he built a survivalist bomb shelter at his home. He was getting ready for the end of the world kind of thing. Meanwhile, Fiona Hill says that John Bolton was really upset that Trump was committing treason on the phone with the president of Ukraine. Number two, the thing that I think is the most interesting is that when the White House contacted Fiona Hill and her lawyers and said, you may not testify before Congress, we're invoking executive privilege. She said, screw you. They sent back a letter saying that we do not believe the White House's legal reasoning and executive privilege disappears when there is reason to believe there was government misconduct. In other words, Trump, you were breaking the law, so we have no obligation to pay any attention to your demand that we not go speak before Congress. All that privileged stuff goes out the window when you're breaking the law. So, it's fascinating times. Louise and I have recently discovered the powerful, well, actually, you know, months ago, maybe, or almost a year ago, the powerful health benefits of CBD oil. We've been using New Leaf Natural CBD oil for a while and really loving it. CBD oil doesn't get you high, so it's great for people who want the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. CBD is non-toxic. It has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. 
And the brand that Louise and I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown right here in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp. So it's totally legal and the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's N-U, leafnaturals.com, and get 30% off and free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to nuleafnaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. That's n-u-leafnaturals.com, newleafnaturals.com. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is The Cult of Trump. A leading cult expert explains how the president uses mind control by Stephen Hassan. This is from the introduction. Just beneath the surface of Trump's woe is me facade is a messianic streak. He may not come out and say he believes he is a messiah, but he has done nothing to dispel the notion popular among some Christian followers that God has chosen him to be their leader. Certainly, he makes no bones about the fact that he is the only one who can restore America to an imagined past glory and save us from a terrible future. One of Trump's earliest campaign moves was to establish the image of a great shining wall in the minds of his followers. The wall was a key piece of Trump propaganda to insulate, isolate, and elevate America from the rest of the dangerous world. The idea was actually suggested by political consultants Roger Stone and Sam Nunberg, who were looking for a mnemonic device that would keep Trump on message. Trump didn't love the idea at first, but he tried it out at a rally and the crowds went crazy. It turned out to be a stroke of marketing genius. Not only did it play on the us versus them trope, but it also allowed Trump to conjure images of murderers and rapists amassing at the southern border. It allowed him to instill fear in the hearts and minds of his followers, far beyond what is the norm at campaign rallies, and yet straight out of the cult leader playbook. The Muslim ban, which Trump tried to implement early in his presidency, was a variation on this theme, as many of the Christian right fear that Islam wants to rule the world and impose Sharia law on Americans. Trump uses all kinds of cult tactics, lying, projecting his weaknesses onto others, deflecting, distracting, presenting alternative facts and competing versions of reality to confuse, disorient, and ultimately coerce his followers. Repetition programs the belief into the unconscious, but fear-mongering tops the list. In my experience, phobia indoctrination, the creation of fearful thoughts to promote and reinforce a desired set of beliefs or behaviors in followers, is one of the most powerful and universal techniques in the cult leader's arsenal. This is why Trump spends so much time, so much air and Twitter time painting a frightening picture of the danger posed by immigrants, Mexicans, Muslims, the migrant caravan, the more vivid the thought or image installed in people's minds, the greater hold it has on us, and the less susceptible we are to rational or critical thought. There are other enemies in Trump's world, globalists, radical left-wing Democrats, socialists, Hollywood actors, the liberal media, all of whom want to destroy America. Inspiring fear of real or imagined threats overrides people's sense of urgency. It makes them susceptible to a confident authority figure who promises to keep them safe and can make them more compliant and obedient. Fear defines Trump's philosophy, his personality, and his presidency. It is also his definition of power, according to Bob Woodward's aptly titled book, Fear. In it, Woodward reported that Trump told him, quote, real power is, I don't even want to use the word, fear. Trump, like cult leaders and dictators throughout history, seizes upon people's needs and fears and amplifies them. Like these authoritarian leaders, he may manufacture problems that do not exist and then say, trust me or believe me, 
and promise that only he can fix it. Given the right circumstances, sane, rational, well-adjusted people can be made to consider and ultimately believe the most outrageous leaders and propositions. There is a method to their madness. Cult leaders may look and behave differently, but even the craziest, most chaotic ones follow a similar pattern. While they usually have no academic training, they are masters of human psychology, especially social psychology. They understand that human beings are social creatures who, at some level, are wired to follow leaders and powerful members of their group. They know that they can confuse people with false information and lies, and then sow doubt by claiming that they never said what they said in the first place. People like to think they're rational and in control, but the lessons of history and social psychology demonstrate time and again that simply ain't so. We go about our ways and our lives using unconscious mental models. When cult leaders manipulate these models in subtle and overt ways, we can be persuaded to believe and do things we might never have considered without such systemic psychological influence. Ultimately, their goal is to make people dependent and obedient. Before the 24-7 world of smartphones and the internet, cult leaders would physically isolate members in order to control all aspects of their lives, their behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions, or what we call the BITE model of indoctrination, B-I-T-E. But physical isolation is not always necessary for indoctrination to occur. Through the media and the internet, people can be indoctrinated and even recruited on their smartphones or in their own homes. Some cult leaders, including pimps and human traffickers, use smartphones and digital technology to monitor and control their followers. Taken to an extreme, the indoctrination process can break down a person's fundamental identity to such an extent that they could be said to have a new pseudo-identity cast in the image of the group's leader or ideology. In her documentary, The Brainwashing of My Dad, Jan Senko shows how her once loving and liberal father, Frank, came to espouse hate-filled racist views after listening to Rush Limbaugh and other right-wing talk radio hosts for many hours a day while commuting to work. He was essentially radicalized by these shows and also by Fox News television. I have met and heard about followers of Trump who have undergone radical personality changes, adopting viewpoints that would have been abhorrent to their former selves. Perhaps most confounding is how so many devout Christians have come to believe that a man who cheated on his pregnant wife was handpicked by God. The book, The Cult of Trump. Charles in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Charles, what's up? Hey, I wanted to tell you about an abomination happening in radio. Uh, up on the upper end of the AM dial around the 1300s, where nobody ever, ever listens to anything, the Koch brothers had started a new, the tagline for it is God and Country, but it's an explicit fusion of religion and politics funded by the Koch brothers. As far as I can tell, they're the only sponsors. They have, uh, uh, when they go to their commercial breaks, there's a running thing about how Coke Brothers, this is what we do for you. Coke, we make that. And trying to, to you make mean Coke, you know, industries. Coke all nice. And Coke Industries, yes. Huh. Uh, then they, uh, the, the only other sponsor is their, uh, their radio marketing arm that uh, uh, tries to get you know, advertisers for their station. It's a total propaganda piece, just pumping, pumping. The scariest, nastiest, most brutal stripped-down version of propaganda, politics, and religion that you can possibly imagine. Fascinating. I'll have to, I'll have to dig into that. I was unaware of that. Charles, Gosh. thanks for the heads up on that. Patrick in Long Island, New York. Hey, Patrick, what's on your mind today? 
This country has always had political divides. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and I remember the Vietnam War and the divisions that created. I saw these accelerate when Reagan was elected. We both know, I'm sure, of Nixon's attempts to play upon people's hate and dislike. So, yep. But it increased after Reagan, and then the name-calling started and the economic inequality. And the Republican Party took advantage of this at every step they could. Yep. I don't recall the Democrats calling names. Okay, name-calling has always gone on, but there's always been a, a polite limit to your name-calling, yet the Republicans just trod forward, and then you have Fox News. And the only reason my feeling is that people go to a cult and stay in a cult is because it's meeting their needs. You know, or yep. they think it's they think they they think it's meeting their needs. Well, typically, it's Shame. providing them with safety, community, and Comfort. confirmation of identity. I would agree a hundred percent. Thank you. Very, very well said. Good to hear from you, Patrick in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Hey, Patrick, you grew up in a cult. Hey, Tom. Yes, I did. And I don't need to get too specific. It was a uh, form of Christianity, which is very popular. I think that people don't really completely understand the definition of the word cult. Uh -huh. You know, the most common is like, you know, some kind of cryptic belief system. Yeah, with weird Charles Manson, James, uh, Jim, Jim Jones, that kind of weird stuff. Exactly. But, but really, exactly. I, you know, I think you could argue that uh, Catholicism is a cult, Mormonism is a cult, uh, certainly uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists are cults. Um, you know, I think that they, they vary in how destructive they are. I think Seventh-day Adventists, for example, is a very productive cult. You know, I, I, uh -huh. I know a lot about Seventh-day Adventists, and I know a lot of Adventists, or at least I used to. Anyway, back to you. I'm sorry, I interrupted well, you, Patrick. I was actually excommunicated from the cult when I was pretty young because I would ask very critical questions about mm. the dogma. And this is something that I have found about people who have, I mean, I'll use the term, resigned themselves to a certain cult membership, is they become very uncritical of people who have received the stamp of approval by the cult. Right, so well, that's an essential part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And so now I look at my folks. My folks are still in this cult. And um, they voted for Kasich back in uh, the day uh, of 2016. But since Trump got all of the treatment that he's been getting, now they're fervently fans of Trump. And now I will just have like conversations kind of being like, oh, well, let's look at like the teachings of Christ and let's compare that. And it gets a lot of blowback. Right. And so um, what I find, um, and you were kind of talking about how do you deal with people who are like, you know, the more cost members of um, this kind of strange belief system, which we see uh, people in our country possessing in regards to Trump cult membership, is what I find to be the most effective is to have knowledge of Scripture. As you love to refer to uh, the 24th chapter of Matthew, which is a very powerful chapter to refer to when people are talking about how shall we right. conduct ourselves, what does it mean to be Christ-like, these things, it's really powerful if you can just pull out a simple Bible verse, because not only is it, you know, the cornerstone of Western civilization, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there, too, but hey, right. that's a lot of, you know, it's a collection of books, right? Oh, I think, I think the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew, as I recall, like more or less five through eight, and Matthew 25, the, the part about the goats and the sheep, the parable of the goats and the sheep. If you want to know anything at all about Christianity, if, you, if you're not Christian or even if you were raised Christian in a way that didn't introduce you to the scriptures, 
Just read those two things. I'm talking about a total, you know, Matthew, the part of Matthew 25 is, is, is you know, three or four paragraphs, and, and the Sermon on the Mount is at the most two pages. And if you read those two things, you will understand the essence of what, at least from Jesus' point of view, Christianity was all about. You don't need to read Paul. I think Paul badly distorts Jesus' teachings, frankly. And I'm sure that there's somebody who is deeply steeped in and trained in Jewish orthodoxy would be able to identify, well, here's a few scripture points to understand the core of Judaism. You know, there's similar things for Islam and there's similar things for Buddhism and Hinduism. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so simple. You know how there's all these organizations that send out U.S. constitutions. You know, they, they, you can get a free constitution from from the Heritage Foundation and from you know all these other groups. And sometimes they add stuff in the back of the constitution to you know promote their little shtick. But I've often yeah. thought that uh, you know back when I was uh, more involved in religion, um, I, you know, I thought about publishing a little, just a little tiny booklet that was just the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 25. And, you know, without any commentary or anything, it would, it would be, you know, just a little pocket edition. It would be maybe 12 pages I'm trying to widely distribute that because it's just that really is the essence of the whole thing. Congratulations on getting out of the cult. Good luck on deprogramming your parents. Keep us up to date on how it goes, okay? John in Minneapolis. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? I do really fear what's going on politically now because we have this propagandized group of people that have taken all this information in uncritically. And there, I would say, almost a third of the electorate. We have. Uh, You're talking a, the Trump cult? Yeah, the Trump cult. I don't think that's as much as a third, a but yeah, okay, real, continue. Uh, yeah, we have a dictatorial presidency. Uh, I wouldn't call it even an imperial presidency. That would kind of put a nice spin on it. And then on top of that, we have law enforcement and also within the military, people that are into the Trump cult, and they are allowed to continue on uncritically. Uh, the peop Their superiors or other people are not correcting them that this is not correct. Um, like, for instance, when Donald Trump came here, uh, for his rally, uh, the police department, under the direction of Bob Kroll, uh, they wanted to wear their uniforms uh, to a Trump rally. I, I mean, my wife worked for the federal government. My brother works for the federal government. You're not even allowed to really talk about politics, and you're not really allowed to be involved that, you know, out in the public. You're supposed to be a civil servant right. serving the Constitution of this country. And so so you cannot be uh, involved like that and, and be that boisterous about it. But I think that this is what, what we're seeing is a growth of, I hate to use this word because people don't like it, uh, this is what you call fascism, the coming yes. together of military power, police power, corporate power, and here we are. So, you know, plus there's a big group of these people that have their arm to the hilt. You know, it, it's just disgusting. I, um, I mean, this is what it is. You know, I've known people that have lived through fascist regimes. I know I had a friend that lived in Chile. I knew somebody that survived the Russian Revolution, lived through World War II, lived in Vichy, France. Um, you know, there's no picnic, but you know, we can really uh, kind of. 
I, I do something about it. I think you're doing quite a, uh, a good service, and I wish that there were, you know, uh, that you were really supported more than you than you are because uh, these people they 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 they're not challenged at all. We can't think about our political, uh, you know, the complexity of our political system anymore, and that's just what's going on, and it's yeah. it's very very scary to me. I think they're starting to get some pushback, and this uh, video that was played at the Trump Doral at this rally that Don Trump Jr. is, you can take your picture with him for 2500 bucks. but this video of the various media figures having uh, been, been murdered by Donald Trump is I, 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 maybe a turning point. We'll see. John, thank you. Well said. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. I also have friends who have lived through dictatorial regimes. Most of them actually, uh, you know, because I lived in Germany, lived through Hitler. It's a scary time. Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates the appetite. My wife convinced me that there was a company and a product worth sharing, and a year later, I'd have to say she's right. The key, you know, to losing weight is getting your appetite and those pesky food cravings under control, and once you do that, uh, the rest is a whole lot easier. My producer, Sean, is now trying Ridgizone, too. I mean, who doesn't want to lose a few pounds before the holidays? And Sean says Ridgizone is making it easy for her to stick to her weight loss plan. Just one capsule with breakfast and forget it. Second one with dinner for days when you need a little extra help. Sean says when you don't feel hungry, it's easier to make better choices. The only ingredient in Ridgizone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant. And that really appealed to both Louise and Sean. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgizone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and get up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Ridgizone.com. It's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Ridgizone.com. Promo code TOM. Ridgizone.com. Paul Krugman's point is that uh, Trump, uh, you know, sort of like Michael Cohen depicted him basically as a mob boss who talks in code and all this kind of stuff. And Krugman is like, the difference between Trump and a mob boss is that because Trump is so dishonest and has been so dishonest throughout his business career, thousands of people suing him for non-payment and, via, you know, breaking deals and all kinds of stuff. Dozens of people that we know of who never even could afford to sue him yet were damaged by him. They've, some of them have been on this program. That kind of a strategy, Trump's art of the deal, only works if you've got constant fresh suckers. Because once people figure out that your word isn't good, and even that your contracts are no good, they stop doing business with you. And that's basically what happened with Erdogan of Turkey. He was like, this Trump guy talks big, but I can take him down a notch. I'll just threaten to take away his Trump Tower, his 119 other investments in Turkey. Or I'll just do what I want. Or I'll just rage at him. Trump will just back down. The guy's a coward. He's a liar. His whole shtick, his whole business shtick is based on fraud. Trump does not represent historic American values. The Trump represent, represent, Trump is turning America, has turned America, or at least the Trump administration, has turned the Trump administration's part of America into a banana republic, into a corrupt organization. And, you know, Krugman points out, you know, correctly, Kurds are dying right now, and Christians are dying right now. I mean, we've got videos now of, of, uh, of 
Turkish fighters beheading the people who were our allies, beheading them on television. It's ISIS is, is, is flying their flag once again in Syria. All because Donald Trump took a phone call from the president of Turkey saying, hey, I want, I want this. You're going to give it to me. Well, when we get that he's that craven, he's that intellectually incompetent, he's that emotionally incompetent, um, he's that lacking any sense of, of values, his, his complete lack of understanding of American history and American values, his belief that everybody else is just as corrupt as he is. So he goes to Comey and he goes, hey, you, cut, you know, cut Mike Flynn a little slack. You know, he's as corrupt as I am. I know you are, too. You wouldn't be head of the FBI otherwise. He didn't realize Comey wasn't that corrupt. He didn't, I mean, you know, he's, he, he keeps running through advisors looking for somebody. You know, he's got Bill Barr. Bill Barr was that corrupt. Sure. Oh, yeah, I did that for Bush back in 92. I'd be glad to do that for you, said Bill Barr. I mean, he wrote a 40-page job audition. I'm still trying to figure out why. But apparently, we're, we're learning a little bit of why. And this, this is, uh, I think, absolutely fascinating. Uh, Bill Barr lecturing us about morality. Seriously. Bill Barr. He was speaking at um, Notre Dame, a Catholic university, and he was speaking to a, to a closed audience. The press was not invited. But parts of his speech have leaked out. And uh, it's really pretty amazing. Uh, Bill Barr, this, I'm quoting from a piece uh, in the Washington Post by Catherine Rempel. And this, this speech was last Friday. It's just, it's just coming out now. He said, and I'm quoting from Catherine Rempel, militant secularism, he said, Bill Barr said, is to blame for our country's greatest ills, including drug use, mental illness, and, and quote, an increase in senseless violence. Given such crises, Barr urged his audience to fight back against, quote, those so-called progressives, end quote, and others who insisted on respecting America's pesky, constitutionally mandated separation of church and state. In other words, Barr was calling for a theology, a, 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 a theocracy, a Christian theocracy. You know, right-wing fundamentalist Christians running our country in order to you know, kind of put us back together. It's, 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 it, he's, he's talking like Thomas Hobbes and Leviathan in 1639. He says, this is not decay, it is organized destruction. This is from Bill Barr's speech. This is not decay, it is organized destruction. Secularists, now keep in mind, a secularist is a person who believes that government should be run of, by, and for the people. A theocrat is somebody who believes the government should be run by me, because God talks to me, and I know what's best because I read God's word, and I know how to interpret it better than anybody else. That's how a theocracy runs, and that's what Bill Barr is suggesting we should have. Let me read it again to you. This is not decay. It is organized destruction. Secularists and their allies among the, and scare quotes, progressives have marshaled all the force of mass communications, popular culture, the entertainment industry, and academia in an unmitting, unremitting assault on religion and traditional values. Now, keep in mind, 
this is the guy who is the head of the Department of Justice, the, the part of our government whose job it is to enforce the law, including the laws uh, and you know, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, um, including this idea that uh, church and state are separate things. That you not only have freedom of religion in the First Amendment, you have freedom from religion. And Bill Barr wants to do away with that? Is this his justification? And, and by the way, if, if you're going to keep talking about, oh, well, you know, traditional values and, and morality, Bill Barr, Jennifer Rubin writing about this in the Washington Post also, pretty astonishing. This guy is, is, is tearing apart America. You know, he refers to countries that are largely populated by black and brown people as asshole countries. He, he, he tears babies from their mother's arms, uh, 20,000 of them, and brags about it. He dehumanizes immigrants. He's told over 13,000 lies. He brags about being a, se a sexual assaulter. Uh, you know, and now we've got something like 40 women on the record. He paid off these two women with whom he had extramarital affairs. That's a violation of the law, by the way, in order to influence a campaign. He celebrates violence. He tried to obstruct the Mueller investigation in 10 different ways that the Mueller investigation documented, every single one of them being criminal, criminal obstruction of justice. He told subordinates he'd pardon them if they broke the law to make his wall. He takes money for projects that Congress didn't appropriate it for. That's, you know, these are all violations of the Constitution itself. He doesn't abide by the letter of the law, writes Jennifer Rubin. This is with regard to having Mnuchin turn his taxes over to the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. That's just right there in the law. It has been since the 1920s. He receives foreign emoluments. These are barred by the Constitution. He defies campaign finance laws. We talked about that. He misleads the courts. Remember Wilbur Ross and the, and the citizenship question? Trump lied about that to the court, to the Supreme Court. He surrounds himself with you know, all these people who have been convicted or indicted for criminal activity. Remember when Republicans were screaming about Barack Obama? Oh, you know, he crossed, he let Syria cross that red line. That was that, you know, poison gas attack. What are they doing right now? Where's Trump's red line? He loves dictators, be these Saudi Arabian, Syrian, Turkish, North Korean, Russian, whatever it may be. Oh yeah, human rights, <laughs> come on, we kill people too. And hate crimes are exploding along with a trillion dollar deficit. This guy is neither Democrat, Republican or anything. This, this guy is an abomination. Bloomberg reports there's an increasing number of people concerned about their wealth due to the fear we may be entering a larger economic crisis than 2008. If you've been paying attention, you know the Dow recently had its sixth largest point loss in history, and the stock market continues to show extreme volatility. Meanwhile, central bank gold purchases have risen to a six-decade high, sending gold prices higher. CNBC and the World Gold Council reports Russia and China are swapping out U.S. dollars from their own portfolios, investing in safer, more liquid assets like gold. And what makes things even more suspicious, 
The U.S. Federal Reserve reportedly holds the most gold of all central banks. What's everyone getting ready for? If you share the gut feeling that something is soon to go south with the global economy, call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Proper gold and silver strategy will help secure your entire wealth portfolio. Call ITM Trading at one own gold Ask them for their free gold protection guide and secure your wealth while you still can. That's one 888 Z in Los Angeles. Hey, Z, what's up? Hi. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you on the radio, and this thank is you. the first time I called. Any, I have a question and a comment. I hope we can get them both in. I don't quite understand the connections of how the Christian groups support Trump. I don't. Is it just the guns? Is there is there more to it? Yeah, there is. I, he's doing so many things that are so unchristian like. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you keep in mind the, the Christianity is an industry in the United States as much mm-hmm. as anything else. I mean, when, when I ran the Committee for Abused Kids, we, in 1980, I went to the National Religious Broadcasters Association, the NRBA, uh, to their annual convention in, uh, I think it was in Washington, D.C. that year. I was in the room when Robert Schiller gave a speech that turned him into an outcast. There were about a thousand people there. There were all these booths. I mean, it was a trade show on here. You can get, you know, holy blessed cloths that you send to people on the radio or on television for their $10 donations. I mean, it was, it's literally an industry. And Robert Schiller got up and he, and he, uh, and he quoted, I think it was Isaiah, um, uh, where he was talking about, you have become a ravening wolf and you are eating your sheep. And he, and he quoted Jesus too in that context. And the room was just stunned. I mean, he got no applause. It was just silence. And this was just before the Jim Baker scandals. But it's, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And what Trump has promised them is that this amendment to the tax code that Lyndon Johnson pushed for back in, 1950, in the 1950s when he was a senator from Texas, um, it's called, so it's referred to as the Johnson Amendment, um, that amendment to the tax code says that if you are a church or any other 501c3, a religious or an educational organization, and you're tax exempt, you're not paying taxes, so you're getting free fire and free police and uh, you know free everything, right? You don't have to contribute to the public good. You don't have to help the schools, you know, any of that stuff. You're getting all that for free. In exchange for that, don't involve yourself in politics. And if you do involve yourself in politics, you can lose your tax exempt status. And Trump has said he wants to do away with that. And these these uh, literally multi-million and billion dollar outfits, you know, Liberty University and Jerry Falwell and and, you know, the remnants of the Billy Graham, you know, his son, Franklin, the the remnants of the Billy Graham empire. And 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 you've got, uh, you know, numerous televangelists who are multimillionaires. Um, and, and, you know, they all want, they would love to be able to involve themselves in politics, uh, get closer to power. Well, in fact, they do. They are. They're defying the IRS right now. So that's what's up, Z. You had a comment? And the comment was, you know, it kind of triggered, when you called him um, abominable, mm. it triggered my memory something that Marianne Williamson said that really impacted me. Someone asked her the question about how do you approach all the Trump supporters? And, you know, Hillary called them deplorables, which really cost her. And she said, I'm not going to shame them for their beliefs or their support. And I thought that was really, really beautiful. Incredible, in fact. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yep. Z, thank you very much for the call. I've got to move along, but thank you. Keith. 
Hey, Don, Tommy. Regarding the uh, transcript that mm-hmm. was released by the White House, I've read that a couple times. It was online, and it seems to me I may be that there is reference to the server and talk to your wealthy Ukrainians, and that you know Rudy knows what's going on. Yeah, you know, it seems to me like maybe is Rudy a bag man to collect cash in addition to. Yeah, you know, nothing. Know, nothing this, would surprise uh, me, Keith. <laughs> nothing would surprise me. I mean, he's behaving like it, and he's been. He, you know, there. Trump has been hanging around with these mob guys his whole entire life. You know, his uh, you know, Roy Cohn was the number one lawyer to the two biggest mob, literally mafia families in New York City, when he was working also for Donald Trump, and and presumably, you know. Uh, that, in fact, according to that documentary, Get Me Roy Cohn, that was what led to Trump building Trump Tower the way he did with as much concrete as he did because there was this mobbed up concrete guy. Um, right. So, yeah. If you look at the transcript on how his lawyer, Michael Cohen, said he talks in a code, if you just uh, substitute transcripts for cash, or the uh, servers, rather, you know, and ask yeah. your wealthy Ukrainians. It, it just that didn't make sense to me, but if you kind of no, put I'm, that I, in there, it yeah, really I'm, does. I'm down with the idea that Trump is broke, that he's living off uh, basically uh, skimming money off uh, money that's being laundered by foreign autocrats and billionaires uh, through real estate. Yeah. This is the you know he's one of the he was one of only two real estate developers in Manhattan who was willing to have uh, to take cash payments from corporations that were essentially anonymous, that were clearly front organizations. I mean, there's there's some there's some nasty stuff there, Keith. Uh, you know, it, it goes deep, I suspect. And it looks like some of it's starting to come out. Gary in Baden, Pennsylvania. Hey, Gary, what's up? Good morning, Tom Hartman. You brought up the point about cold blood in this in the context of the liar-in-chief, in the context of the great representative that was on from California. Yeah, I and think he's our first my, cold-blooded president since maybe Coolidge. Yes, and this brought to mind my favorite quote by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There's a reason why Franklin Delano Roosevelt, there was a core reason why he was, re-elect, he was elected four times. And that core reason was his philosophy on governing. And this is what he said verbatim. I know it by heart. I heard, first heard it in 1974, if you don't mind me saying. Mm-hmm. And he said this, government can err. Presidents can make mistakes. But we are told divine justice weighs the sins of the cold-blooded and the sins of the warm-hearted on a different scale. Better the occasional faults of a government living in the spirit of charity than the consistent omissions of a government frozen in the ice of its own indifference. That's yeah. the difference today. Yeah, and that's, uh, is that from his inaugural, his first inaugural, or is that from, it his, was, I it think was that's his 1936 yeah. speech in New York, wasn't it? 30, somewhere in that area, yeah. yeah. it's his famous 1936 speech. That's yeah. his core belief. Yeah, this no, you're absolutely right. That's him the man he was. There you go. Well said, Gary. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Yeah, I wanted to follow up. It occurs to me. Uh, the Trump of cult. The, yeah, the cult of Trump. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, what's clear is that the Trump base has rejected the, the traditional Republican Party. I mean, Trump dispensed of 15 other very traditional Republicans. So then what happens? So, in other words, the Trump supporter, the Trump the Trump, a hardcore Trump supporter, I mean, obviously they hate their family, 
and let's say their family is uh, is the Hatfields. They hate their family, but that doesn't mean they're going to join the McCoys. In other words, just because that doesn't mean they're going to vote for the Democrats. And we've seen, I think you have a guest on your show, people who have become white supremacists who became part of that. And maybe your guest was, I, I can't remember if you mentioned this, but he was a Mooney. Yeah, OK, because they had a lack in the family. So obviously, this is what I've been saying about the Republicans is they can never go back. They After this, they can never go back. They can never pitch a traditional Republican thought in the general politic again because they've outright rejected it so the hardcore trump supporter has gone for this cult leader they didn't go for the democrats because obviously the hatfields have been demonizing the mccoys and so they have that demonization in their head as well now the regular traditional republican i think they're just running scared because they're thinking they're not going to have a family because they also have demonization of the mccoys in their brain but they don't believe in trump but they don't know what to believe in now. Right. And what I've seen, I think this Fox News has obviously demonized the Democrats. And I knew, and maybe other people have, I knew somebody who was 25 years ago in a religious cult, and she got out of it. And uh, another friend of hers was getting out. And what was happening as the cult was breaking up? And it was over financial issues, the nuts and bolts, the hardcore. That's what it was started at, financial things. But then they all started turning on each other. Yeah. And that's how the thing fell apart. And I think that's what's going to start happening here. Yeah, I think, I think we're, we're looking at something analogous to the end of the Whigs. And the question is, what's going to come out of it and how's it going to go? One of my very dearest friends was a member of the Maharaji cult, you know, the perfect 15 year old perfect master back in the back in the 70s. And he not only got out of that, but he was partners with Ted Patrick for a while, deprogramming people, became a psychotherapist and then became a Hasidic Jew, uh, you know, joined the Hasidic movement. And we once had this conversation. I said, you know, haven't you kind of joined another cult? And he's like, yeah, but this is not a destructive one. This is one that is constructive of family and faith and religion and all those kind of things. And I spent a lot of time with him and inside that group. And I have to agree with him. And in fact, if somebody put a gun to my head and said, you have to live a religious life, pick one, that's probably where I'd go. And so I think it's important that we draw that distinction between destructive cults and constructive cults to the extent that the word cult can be a neutral word. And what's going to happen to these people who are Trump cult followers as opposed to the traditional Republicans. There's this other debate, Paul, inside the Democratic Party, which is if the Republican Party implodes, the old fashioned Republicans basically had, you know, the, the quote conservative worldview was that women should be in their place, minorities should be in their place, and you know what I mean by those phrases, and that business and rich people should run the country and the government. And they would use soft language for it, but that was basically, that's been the Republican Party since, since the 1950s, really, up until about three, four years ago. And there are Democrats who share those opinions. Uh, I think Dan Lipinski, uh, if I'm saying his name right, you know, the guy in Chicago right. who consistently votes with the Republicans and now he's got a primary challenger. But there are people in the Democratic Party who are saying, if the Democratic Party kind of purifies itself and becomes in the party of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders or even some middle ground, you know, the Pete Buttigieg party, there's going to be no place for those people. And that maybe the Democratic Party should be big tent and we should welcome some of those people. And, and there should be, you know, anti-abortion Democrats. And there actually is. There's, you know, a pro-life movement within the Democratic Party. And I'm not quite, you know, I, I had a pretty strong opinion prior to Trump that that would be a mistake. 
but I'm wondering, or is the Republican Party going to reconstitute itself or reincarnate itself as the old Republican Party and reject well, those, the Trump cultists? Those kinds of Republicans that you were talking about, Tom, really need to get a backbone. They need to get a, I'm talking about the traditional ones that you were kind of describing. Right. They need to get a backbone and, and, and grow a spine, so to speak, because they all basically went with Trump and they're still signing on to the Trump train because I think they're terrified that there's no place else to go. I think they're going to they unify are, around Mitt Romney. And I think that Romney yeah, you know, is trying I, to position himself as yeah. when Trump goes down in flames and nobody wants Pence, I'll ride in as right. the savior. I was thinking as recently as three weeks ago that Mitt Romney was setting himself up for 2024. I'm now thinking he's setting himself up for 2020. Oh, I thought that as soon as he ran for the Senate, he, right. Mitt Romney does not need to be a senator. He was he doesn't need that. He was just he needed a, a platform to run for president. And I think that he's gambling that the traditional Republicans will come to his side. But again, I say once Trump dispensed of them, I mean, they've all been just they just had this ignominious end. I mean, right. it was it was all. just Well, and the other question even, is what's going to happen when Trump figures out that Mitt Romney's coming for him for 2020. Is Trump going to try to preemptively take down Romney, or is he going to pave the way in the hopes that Romney will be the guy who actually can win and might win the White House and then might pardon Trump, you know, himself? No, the problem for Romney, Tom, is that the Trump cultists won't go from him. They, oh, I know they that. Need that part of I know they, that. they need that part of the party. That's where the fractionalization comes in. Is they need. But see, they the the thing together. about the Trump cultists, Paul, is that what's holding them together is Fox News and right wing hate radio, and and the cracks are starting to show over at Fox News. And Lachlan Murdoch, I think, is starting to get uncomfortable with the whole situation. So if Fox News turns its back on Trump, as they seem to have started to do this weekend, frankly, from what I'm reading, will that pave the way for Mitt Romney? And if so, would he well, pardon and Trump? also right-wing hate radio, of course, inside radio, people know that they are in such incredible debt that maybe they'll just collapse and that whole format will just disappear. Yeah, it's possible. I haven't looked at ratings in quite a while, I, but it would be fascinating to take a look well, at well, it was, over it a five-year period. Bain Capital, it was Bain Capital that bailed out Clear Channel in now iHeart. No, they didn't bail out Clear Channel. They sucked it dry, killed it off, and threw it into bankruptcy, and then it reincarnated right. as iHeart Radio. And Mitt Romney made right. millions off that, probably hundreds of millions of dollars off that deal. He's probably a billionaire. Right, refinanced the debt, but the debt's right. still there. Oh, yeah, and it was a debt of over a billion dollars. 20 billion. 20, 20, 20 billion. billion. Oh, whoa. Okay. The two of them together, twenty-five billion. Jimmy, this was not quite as bad off, but yeah. everybody. I mean, that's. I can't see how that can be sustainable, and they just write that off because that that that's just been what you're talking about. So, yeah. thanks, Tom. I appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Uh, it raises a whole lot of fascinating questions. You know, this this conversation that Paul and I just had, and frankly, I don't think there's any clear answers to any of them. But I think it's really important that we understand that these are the possible, here are the forks in the road, and here are some of the possible destinations at the end of those forks, and here's how some of them start. Will in Broomfield, Colorado, it says your dad is in the Trump cult? No, my father-in-law. Father-in-law. My father-in-law. Okay. I love him very much. He's a great guy, but he is very much a member of the Trump cult, and he's been a member of this cult really his whole life. It's, Trump is just this figurehead of a Republican cult that extends back decades. 
Oh, yeah. It goes back to McCarthy in the 50s. Typically, the things that principally motivate people are, for men, it's wanting to control women, the whole abortion issue. For women, it can be some dimension of that, basically. uh, Phyllis Schlafly said most women would like to go back to being protected and taken care of by their husband's body block. You know, yeah, exactly. I'm not quite sure how to describe it. And then, of course, there's the white supremacy piece of it that's huge. And then there's the authoritarian, you know, I want to be an authoritarian follower. I want a strong leader part. Trump is running this ad on CNN right now saying I'm a tough man for tough times. What is it with your father-in-law? Well, he was born in rural Colorado, didn't have much of a formal education. So that makes him very suspicious of people with book smarts as opposed to, quote, street smarts, and using air quotes there. Right. He was career military, very deferential to people in authority. And again, I'm using the word authority in air quotes. Right. And he's been a Mormon all of his life, which is very evangelical Christianity, even though right. evangelicals won't admit it. You know, his whole life, the person with authority says something, and you literally treat it as... So he's an authoritarian from the, from follower who has found in the Trump cult an authoritarian hierarchy with which he feels comfortable, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, I, that is I think exactly. that's probably the, the most common Trump follower. You know, I may be wrong because I haven't seen any good comprehensive analysis of, and I'm sure uh, well, look, I, sociologists will be doing this for years, but go ahead. One of your callers, I think about his parents still being in the cult. Mm-hmm. He sounded exactly like somebody who's been in the LDS church. Yeah, I know people like him. I know I went to the LDS church myself. Yeah, Latter-day Saints. These are Mormons. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a very, very cult-like atmosphere. And by cult-like, I mean like you are extremely deferential to a person in authority. You don't even... Well, and there's all the secret rituals and the secret underwear that you wear when you go to the temple. And But on the other hand, there's also a benevolent side to Mormonism. If you are poor, if you are hungry, and you are a Mormon, and you're part of the group, and, the church will reach Mormon. out and take care of you. Exactly. That's, that's a very seductive you know, thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's community. Yeah, well, that, well, so does the Catholic Church, but I would also call the Catholic Church. Not as, fact, not as effectively. I, you know, Catholic, I don't think that well, members well, of... Well, deferential to the Pope. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, and maybe I'm wrong about this because I've never been inside either the Mormon church or the Catholic church, but I've had Mormon friends who have told me that if they fall on hard times, they can go to their local congregation and those folks will, you know, basically raise money to help them pay their rent or will find food for them or will take them in even. Well, I've been in both churches and I can say that that is true. But it also comes at a price. If, exactly. if you go to check your mind you at the door. Your, yeah, that's one of them. Second thing is that if you go to your Mormon bishop for help, in return for the help, you are expected to be more effective when you toe the line. Uh, and, and I can say that from personal experience. Yeah. So you, you need to go more often. You get to be an evangelist, one of those guys who goes door to door. Once we've put you back together, something like that. Something like that, yes, exactly. Well, thanks a lot for the call. It's great to hear from you. It's it's fascinating to hear these stories from people who have been on the inside because this is exactly what Trump is doing. And this is, uh, by the way, it's what Hitler did. It's what Tojo did. It is, I mean, this cult leader as political figure is the most dangerous and toxic combination that exists, period, bar none. And we need to understand it. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place.
You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 